and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Coming to you guys, it's Tuesday evening. Apologies a little bit for the delay in getting up a, a podcast this week. Um, but obviously I had one at the end of last week, recapping the thrilling Week 2 game against the New York Giants on this episode I have the great Tim Graham, who covers the Bills for us. He's one of our columnists. He's a ridiculously good writer uh, and a fun talker. We just chatted a few minutes ago, uh, getting a sense of what's going on from the Bills' perspective, uh, what's going on with Josh Allen. It's going to be a really interesting matchup, the Josh Allen sort of slow start against Washington's defense. Having a bit of a slow start, can either side break through? That, That may ultimately decide this game. We got into... A lot of that, what's going on, um, and uh, and uh, more, and we'll get to. I'll get to that in just a second here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting. In addition, of course, you can find me my written work over on the Athletic. New story up today inside Taylor Heineke's training program, um, the off season program he went through. He's coming off the Tampa Bay game. It's a life-changing moment, but he also comes away with that shoulder injury, and he's probably feeling pretty good about getting a new – he's getting a chance to stay in the league, but how do you sustain it? How do you take advantage of it when the, it, it, when or if that time comes? I spoke to um, his, his personal trainer, his football uh, skills coach, his agent, uh, guy, and, of course, we've talked to Taylor Heineke throughout this process, so a lot of – insight and intrigue there as to what he's been kind of going through i hope everybody will check that out over on the athletic and yes there is still a 50 percent off subscription deal if you want to check that out um as far as um what i want to tell you guys from the washington side today so today it's tuesday normally tuesday is an off day but we actually were at, at we're in ashburn today ron rivera uh, and crew spoke. They they held practice today. They're going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. It's normally Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think because of the extra time off, they wanted to get guys back on the field sooner than later. So that's what they did. Um, there's no real only injury of note, I guess, is Matt Ioannidis was working on the side field. We had a little bit of a knee thing against the Giants, but he finished off the game. We didn't get it really an update on that because it is Tuesday. Those updates don't come until Wednesday, so we'll get one presumably tomorrow. Um, don't ask me about Curtis Samuel cause I don't know, but he is eligible to come off IR next week. So after the bills game will be the first time we could potentially see Curtis Samuel back or they could, you know, sort of open the three week window to then bring him off IR that could happen, um, as well. In any event, we'll deal with that later in the week or next week, but just a couple of thoughts coming out of, um, today's practice. Um, the giants games happened so long ago. I'm not even going to get in. To too much there, but I do want to mention a couple of young, a couple of guys. First off, let's, let's mention Jamin Davis, the first round pick. Obviously, um, look, it's been a, a bit of a slow start, right? Um, I think that's pretty obvious. You know, he, he's having to play the middle linebacker position. He's still trying to figure out kind of what's going on a little bit there. Ron Rivera has said it's you know kind of new new things are asking him to do compared to college. Um, and, and, and so on. And look, it's, it takes a minute. Sometimes there's these rookies that come out and just crush it right off the bat. That's not the case for, for, for everybody. And, you know, I don't know Jamin Davis, except for the guy that we've been presented here so far, um, this year, I did talk to him pre-draft 
if you recall on this podcast and, you know, seemed like a nice kid, but, you know, from a personality standpoint, you know, it's a little more of a guarded situation. And, you know, it feels like he's been kind of quiet to this point, just in terms of dealing with us, the few times he's spoken with us. And I thought, so he spoke today, um, as did a few guys, and I thought it was interesting today. This last game, you know, it seemed like he made some strides. Pro Football Focus rated him the number one defensive player for Washington. You can quibble with that if you want. I'm not sit to here, sit here and tell you what my, you know, that, that that's a bad ranking. But it at least shows some signs of improvement. I think Ron Rivera has said as much as well. And I think the one way to tell that he did some improving, improving was Jamin Davis himself. I really thought he, he in, in speaking to us, it was, you know, five, six, seven minutes, whatever it was. He, he came across as a lot more confident to me than I've heard him previously. He was talking about how, you know, basically playing Jamin Davis football, that you're going to start seeing that happen more and more now, now that he's starting to figure some some things out. I'm, I'll be very curious to see what he looks like going forward here. And um, I'm intrigued by, 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 by what he is. In. And obviously... It isn't just because they spent a first round pick on him. He, you know, he does have this athleticism that we know about. But you know, I mentioned it at least in what I wrote uh, the other day on the Athletic about how they were using this five-one-five lineup a bit. They used it nine snaps in the game against um, uh, in the game against the Giants. They used it a few times at the end of last year, but nine times is almost half of how, how, how many times they use it in the six games that it was, that it was implemented last year. And obviously part of it is to get your defensive lineman on the field, right? You've got these really good uh, players, right? Um, but then you have uh, in turn, you know, with Ioannidis coming in, but then you also have um, the linebacker situation, right? You have um, Cole Holcomb, Uh, you know, Cole Holcomb, I don't think had his necessarily had a great game against the Giants, but you know, I, I think you know, I, I like where he's at generally. You know, John Bostic is still a hit or miss, particularly in the passing game, and I think ultimately they want Jamin Davis to play three downs as much as possible. He isn't there yet, but if he's if this if his improvement over this last week is sustained and continues to go up, and his confidence is an indicator of that, that maybe we start seeing him on the field more. Uh, I, I'll be very curious to see how that goes. So I'm excited uh, to see to see that uh, from Jamin Davis. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if this confidence that I, I sense today is a real is a real thing or not. Um, speaking of confidence, Taylor Heineke has a bunch. <laughs> um, he's he is uh, he does. And he is he is having a lot of fun right now. He spoke to us today, you know, a lot of players, when they speak to the media, you know, the, the, the easy references, uh, when you talk about guys talking in cliches or not saying much, if, for anybody who's of a certain age, the Bull Durham movie, the Tim Robbins character, Nuke Lelouch, uh, you know, he w- was taught cliches by Kevin Costner's character and just spits them all out at some point. And he has no idea what he's even saying, but he just talks in total generalities. And a lot of players will obviously just sort of do that. Hey, you know, we just got to put that game behind us and we got to come out and play well or whatever it might be. Um, Taylor Heineke does not do any of that. He speaks pretty candidly, pretty honestly, um, you know, and kind of whatever's on his mind. He, we, we talked today, uh, he was asked kind of what he did over the weekend. And, um, uh, he mentioned that he played college football or he watched college football or, or 
pro football and drank some Heineken. And uh, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch said, "Are you trying? How's that endorsement deal going?" He goes, "I'm still trying." Um, and we end up talking for a, a little bit about you know different kinds of beer and and you know whatever. And it, it's not that he's the only guy that, that that has happened with. It's just there's a there's an ease to him that is that is that is interesting. He is still clearly in, in this moment. He has not gotten caught up in any attention. Obviously. There's no reason he necessarily should be, right? I mean, we're still only talking about a player who has started three NFL games. He's 28 years old. He got the win the other day, and he was totally good. He's been solid in all these games at a minimum. I don't know you know, t- how much more than that. I don't know. I'm not even going to get into whether he's the answer long-term. Nobody knows. But he's giving he gives them a puncher's chance to win every game, and that's something, or at least he has so far, and that is not nothing for a team that has obviously struggled at the quarterback position. And like I said, you can see when he's in these press conferences, the looseness about him, the calmness, the confidence. And when people, when players like Terry McLaurin um, and others, and Sam Cosme today as well, talked about that it's easy to play for a guy like that. Uh, Jared Patterson said that uh, actually uh, today. Uh, it's just, it's notable. And it just, it just stood out and, you know, we're at the point in practices now where we only see the first 15 or so minutes. It's just a lot of stretching, nothing too insane. Um, but he, um, you can, you can tell that guys are, are feeling themselves some, uh, some Taylor Heineke. And uh, that's not, that's not a bad place to be if you're, if you're the quarterback of a team and we'll, it'll be interesting to watch his evolution, both on the field and off the field. As this continues as a side note, he mentioned uh, if Heineken doesn't work out, he would be into uh, getting Bud Light endorsement. And then Bud Light, somebody tweeted that out. Bud Light quote tweeted that and uh, said, you know, something like, you know, well, st- we're ready. And then PR from Bud Light sent a bunch of us an email saying, talking about this as well. So interesting, interesting there for sure. Um to see what is going, uh, what is going on in the world of Taylor Heineke, and uh, as I said, I wrote about him. His, uh, uh, a look at, at what kind of goes on with his, um, what went on with his offseason plans. You can check that out over on the Athletic. Um, all right, but let's get to this conversation with Tim Graham. Literally, again, not exaggerating. Great writer. Um, we went, we went a lot of different paths. Talked the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he's got a, a a certain famous somebody. From the Bills' uh, past that that he's had some some connection with, we got into that and a bunch more. Let's get to it here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here on the podcast, he is uh, one of our go-to guys covering all things Buffalo and the Buffalo Bills. And honestly, I'm not just saying this, but he is easily one of the best writers, not just in the Athletic, but anywhere in the sports world. He is Tim Graham at by Tim Graham on uh on, on twitter uh sir i appreciate it uh how was life nice, ben you're too kind to me already <laughs> I, I just i just speak truth on this podcast whether no matter what it is uh, w- uh we, we are heading into week three i'm gonna see you this weekend if all goes well so how are you feeling just forget the team just you personally how, how are you feeling do you feel like you did your your, your training does camp anybody care well? how i'm feeling nobody cares how i'm feeling well i mean you know i i, I i'm doing I, all right it's football season. You know, we're getting in that rhythm. That uh, is one of the reasons why people want to cover the NFL or cover football. Right. 
Um, we don't, uh, with the exception of the occasional Monday night game or a Thursday game, uh, we know what we're doing pretty much every day of the week. You're getting into that, uh, that methodical week to week flow of uh, covering football, still trying to figure out what these teams are made of. We probably won't know for another month or so, but yeah, this is the fun part of the season where anything's possible. It is, it is true. That's why, I mean, from just a purely personal reason, I was thrilled that Washington won the other day um, when they almost blew it because this very different vibe covering a one and one team versus an 0-2 team when you lose both games at home going to face the, the team that was in the AFC Championship game last year. So it's definitely a very different mood uh, this week than, than it absolutely could have been. But before we get to this game, I have, a, I have a serious question. Your Twitter bio, again, at by Tim Graham, your Twitter bio says, quote, I like this Tim Graham, Howard Stern, July 16th, 2019. <laughs> um, I need this context. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. put myself in the crazy Howard Stern fan, but I do enjoy me some Stern. So what the heck was this? So uh, on my podcast, uh, I had, uh, well, it was my, a radio show at the time. So it was actually over the air and then we converted to a podcast. Now my show is strictly podcast. And a lot of that had to do with uh, the pandemic. And because I wasn't a full-time employee of the, of the radio station, uh, I wasn't allowed in the studio for a while. So anyway, we went fully podcast. Uh, but when I was on the air, I had OJ Simpson on and uh, we were talking about fantasy football. And um, so that interview with OJ Simpson made it on to Howard Stern. I'm happened to be in my car when he's talking about this live. Um, and he, as soon as he started talking about OJ appearing on the Tim Graham show, my heart sank because you, that's what Howard Stern, he's going to skewer you or I, I just didn't know what was coming. Yeah. I didn't know if he was going to put me on full blast. I would have had to pull over. There's no question. Whatever was happening <laughs> in my life at that moment would have had to have waited. I need to know what's going to happen here. Right. And so I just trying to keep it between the lines and uh, I'm about to get ridiculed in front of, uh, or, or before the world really. Uh, but uh, he only made fun of OJ Simpson and he had very kind words about how I handled the interview and he's laughing about what OJ saying. And at some point he says, Hey, I like this Tim Grant, you know, that I, that I would have OJ Simpson on the air and get him to talk about, you know, he was talking about uh, how he got into fantasy football to help pass the time when he was in prison. And um, so anyway, I, I, uh, yeah, I was stunned. I, I was stunned uh, to ever made it on to uh, the Howard Stern show in any way, shape or form. I mean, yeah, that that I mean, that is unbelievably cool. And the fact that you're doing it because you're talking to O.J. Simpson, who you right. we had the series that just concluded at the start of the year about the at the start of the season, the top 100 players of all time. And, you know, look, I, I, I read the ones that I could. I wrote a couple of them. You know, look, I don't, I don't care about every player. But you get to the O.J. Simpson one. I'm like, oh, OK, well, what's this going to be? And then it's like, you know, like I was I talked to Daryl Green. I did talk to um, one of my guys that died forever ago. So, you know, not everybody talked to everybody, but you actually talked to O.J. Simpson. And of course, that led to uh, a lot of discussion. We won't get, I don't have to get into that, but you can go read that. But just I, I guess I need to know you clearly have some connection with O.J. Simpson. What, what is that? Like, if I said to you, like, who's the most famous name in your phone? I think I know the answer. So what, what's that like? Yeah, it's, um, I had reached out to him. LaShawn McCoy, of all people, had challenged me. I, I had to explain to LaShawn McCoy. Okay, so we'll give, the, we'll give the quick story here. I'll try to be quick about it. 
after a, a game uh, with the Indianapolis Colts that went into overtime and it was massive snowfall, your, your listeners uh, probably remember it or at least saw it because it was, it made for amazing photos and highlights. Uh, there was, I don't know, a foot and a half of snow fell during the game against the Indianapolis Colts. It's called the Snowvertime game, we call it here in Buffalo, because it went into overtime. The Bills won the game. LaShawn McCoy had a great afternoon uh, statistically, and he had had a, a previous game uh, in similar conditions when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles, also uh, big stats uh, in the snow. And so I did a follow-up story about runners who can perform in those conditions. Some can, some can't. Some slide around and can't get going. And one of the all-time greats, uh, bad weather running backs was O.J. Simpson. And so I'm talking to LaShawn McCoy about this, and he says, well, what did O.J. say about it? And I said, well, O.J. doesn't do interviews. And he looks at me uh, without a smile and says, well, why not? And I said, well, you know, there was that whole double murder thing, and uh, he had just gotten out of prison in, in uh, Nevada for the armed robbery. And again, he doesn't flinch. He just looks at me dead in the eye and says, yeah, so? And I, he's not getting it. He doesn't understand that oh, you did, OJ just doesn't do interviews. And so uh, the PR guy for the Bills, uh, Derek Boyko, formerly of the Eagles, uh, says, uh, if anybody can get OJ, it's Tim. And I laughed. I said, well, that's ridiculous. No, I'm not. I didn't even, no challenge. There's just no challenge, no challenge accepted here. And then after the next Bills game, we're walking up the tunnel and LaShawn McCoy taps me on the chest and says, do you talk to OJ yet? And at that moment, I thought to myself, all right, we're going to give this a go here. I'm going to see if I can get OJ Simpson. And it took me about four months before I finally found a way to get to him. And he agreed to do the interview. And it was pretty controversial at the time because it was mostly about football. Um, it wasn't the type of interview where I'm going to sway anybody's opinion, whether they think he did it or didn't do it. Uh, but a lot of people thought I left him off the hook and gave him a platform, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'd always had that in the back of my mind. Uh, it was a one voice story. I only interviewed OJ. Um, I didn't get other people's voices. So when I was assigned this story for the athletic, I said, we're going to talk about OJ Simpson's legacy. I'm going to interview him for it but we're going to get other voices in there. I'm not going to allow him to say whatever he wants uh, regarding his legacy. And so that's, that was the impetus to the, the second story was, all right, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about legacy here. We're not just going to talk about his memories of, of playing in Buffalo and, and the bills of the seventies. Uh, we're going to talk about everything. And he agreed to it. And I met him in Las Vegas and uh, there were some rather, pointed comments from him and from others. So, uh, you know, all sides were told. And again, I took a nice ration of crap for having spoken to OJ again and giving him a platform, even though his former college teammate, Ron Yeri, a, a Hall of Famer from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, pretty much just calls him a, a heartless double murderer. But can't please anybody. OJ Simpson just triggers people. Just triggers people. He he, he does. Definitely go read, read the story. Uh okay i i gave you a nice intro to come in you're you're living up to the billy here howard stern oj simpson how you got that fantastic <laughs> right. um <laughs> i had to cover donald trump when he tried to buy the bills there's that too i yeah. uh, i used to be able to get donald trump on the phone okay well you look save, save that one for your book um i <laughs> I, look, I look forward uh i look forward to that wow okay so let, let's get far far less interesting the actual football game 
Um, both teams are one and one. It's only two games. I guess you could sit here and say, well, I guess anybody could be one and one. I guess it's a little more surprising, I guess, to some degree that your guys are, are one and one only because pretty much I mean, everybody is one and one in the AFC. Is that, is that right? Yeah, All I guess four teams or five teams, I think, are one and one. That, uh, I mean, that's how the NFL always kind of kind of kind of wants things. Um, so obviously Buffalo re- rallies from after losing week one. They, they, they smushed Miami 35 zip. You were at the game. Um, I, I didn't see the game because I was well, I guess I wasn't actually working that day, but whatever. Uh, it wasn't on TV here, um, but, you know, caught up a little bit. And I guess the takeaway is it sounds dominant but maybe didn't feel as dominant in the moment. And I was on the, uh, the zoom call uh, with Sean McDermott and, and uh, the Buffalo media the other day. And I don't know, I guess there's like, you know, what's not sort of what's wrong with Josh Allen, but like, how does how did Josh Allen get going and this and the other, I, I guess after two games, like wh- how are you feeling about this bills team that obviously was coming off an AFC championship game appearance and had people saying they're the team to beat this year. Yeah, they're a sexy pick to win the Super Bowl. A lot of people were putting those expectations on them. And then uh, week one against the Steelers, uh, the offense did not look good at all. Josh Allen out of rhythm, just couldn't get going. Um, And yes, they score five touchdowns against the Dolphins on Sunday, win 35 to nothing. A lot of that, though, was circumstantial. It stemmed from the defense. Uh, The Dolphins started going for it on fourth down in the second quarter. Uh, because the Bills defense was so dominant. I think Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, said, you know, <laughs> we, we're not going to be moving the ball on this team. We got to take our chances when we could. And so they went for it uh, and failed four times during the game on fourth down. So um, shorter fields. Uh, Josh Allen looked pretty shaky. The offense from possessions three through eight, they score on their first two possessions. And that uh, one of them being a really long touchdown run by Devin Singletary. And then from drives three through eight, they just couldn't get anything going it, at halftime. They're leading 14, nothing, but it felt like they should have been up several more scores. The offense just is um, not been able to get into a flow and the defense uh, really helped them uh, find, find a little bit of their, of themselves late in the game. Uh, but still, Josh Allen, just uh, he doesn't look comfortable uh, missing on throws. His accuracy issues uh, seem to have cropped back up uh, after a full season last year of people thinking, well, this guy figured it out. Um, it, it, those, those feelings are back again. And I think that that is what's putting Bill's fans and the media, and when we're talking to Sean McDermott, where we still have 2019, 2018 Josh Allen in mind. We, it, it wasn't that long ago when – we saw this as a as a quarterback who maybe was going to deal with accuracy issues for his entire career. Um, he also has ball security issues. Uh, he threw another interception. Uh, so yeah, I think that there's a cynicism uh, with the fans and the media that you know we we're going to need to see a little bit more before we can uh, before we can feel that that the 2020 Josh Allen who finished second in MVP bo- uh, voting. Um, is is the guy that that we're going to see for the rest of his career? It, it is so interesting. Like there are certain traits or stats or whatever in sports where, like, I'm a believer. Like, say with a basketball player, you know, if you struggle shooting from three point range, like I think repetition can get you there. I'm not saying it gets you to be Steph Curry, but it can get you to be a passable 
player. And there's some other things you just do it over and over again. You can figure it out. I feel like with quarterback passing accuracy, especially if you're talking about like, you know, throwing the ball up the field a little bit, not just dump offs. Like it is one of those stats. It feels like you kind of have it or you don't sometimes. And, and that's what, what made Josh Allen to feel like. So, uh, such a remarkable turnaround where a lot of people who are like, well, this will never get much better than it is. And then he has the year that he had. So obviously it's still only two games and it's still early to you know, say, well, this is who he is. And last year was the aberration or anything along those lines, but it will be interesting to see, um, you know, how he gets going. I can say from the Washington end, uh, you know, first game, Justin Herbert, you know, he was pretty lights out for the most part, third downs in particular, he was, he, they, he had it going. Obviously, he's pretty good. Last week, they play the uh, they play the Giants on Thursday. Daniel Jones. This was the first game he's lost to Washington in five games, and only lost because the end of the game and Washington got a reprieve on a missed field goal at the end. But he was really good again. Now, was a lot of it was his running. Um, and I'll be curious to see if Josh Allen takes advantage of any RPOs if they're willing to put him in those kind of spots. Uh, so it's interesting that you know Washington's defense has been kind of laboring to a degree so far through two games going up against a quarterback who is not exactly uh, crushing it right now. Yeah. He's uh, he's only completing 56% of his passes so far. And it was at 69.2% last year, uh, which was 10 points higher than the year before that. So he's come down uh, back uh, quite a bit. Um, He's only averaging 5.3 yards per attempt after averaging 7.9 yards per attempt last year. So uh, he's still dangerous running the ball. He's still hard to sack. Uh, there are a lot of things that Washington is still going to have to worry about with Josh Allen. And who knows at some point, maybe he, he just, it, it, things click. Uh, he's faced some pretty tough defenders through those first two weeks. Of course, up front, the Steelers have TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward and, uh, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick back there in the secondary, some good players. And, uh, and then the dolphins have the highest paid cornerback, uh, depth chart in, in the NFL. So, um, they're good too. Uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Washington does. They have that depth up front and, um, it's, uh, if he just gets a, maybe a little more time or, or another, another issue with Josh Allen too, is that he gets, um, I, I use the phrase he's tightly wound and at home, his numbers actually last season were a little down at home, uh, compared down the road. I don't know. It's a, it's an anomaly, uh, but um, that first game, he looked totally uh, maybe overamped uh, and rattled, you know, the crowd and fans are back and all that stuff and the expectations and who knows if he slept the night before, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's uh, crowd noise and, and the crowds being back at another layer of, uh, I think um, of curiosity to Bill's fans with, with Josh Allen. But as, as uh, Sean McDermott, the head coach pointed out after that, after that uh, home opener, you know, this is a guy who's entering his fourth year. He's got to, you know, he's got to be able to dial it in, dial it back uh, and, and be prepared uh, for, um, for the emotions of any game. And uh, he's, uh, he's certainly paid uh, to be, um, to be the guy that, that, uh, that the team revolves around. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's again, it's, it's too early in the year to say what he is or what he is in terms of this season. But like it is something I think we probably all to some degree take for granted when we just say every year Rogers, Russell Wilson, Mahomes is now becoming that guy that these guys are just every year 
Like, and we sort of dismiss him. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers only won one Super Bowl or whatever. Like, dude, are you serious? Like that guy every single year gives your team a chance to win the Super Bowl. And ultimately that my, my take always with these things is that's kind of all you can do. You just have to hope that that year, the breaks go your way, whatever it is, the injuries, the bounce of the ball, the schedule, whatever it may be, go your way. And that, that's about all, all you can do. And, you know, again, it's, we'll see where it goes here, but like, you know, it can, can, can the young quarterback do it for more than just the one or two years? Um, that's always a fascinating uh, mark. I feel like we're pretty good with, with Mahomes. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that's going to going to sustain, but, um, but that's always a, a fascinating thing. Obviously like on this end, we've got a quarterback who we're just like, we can't make, we have no idea what to make of him right now because he barely has any type of, uh, resume and Taylor Heineke, but he's please come in. He's had a couple of, uh, you know, notable starts. And obviously last week he wins a, a thriller at the buzzer. His first win as a starter. He had the playoff game the previous year against Tampa Bay um, and so on. Uh, I guess, you know, to whatever degree, how do you think a Buffalo, this Buffalo defense will go against a guy who, there's a, like I said, not much tape on. He did play the last two games to some degree. He's, he's mobile um, he can get out of the pocket. He's got, he's like one of these dudes. He's just like a total improviser. The ball could be coming out from any direction at any time. Um, but he did play with a little more control last week. How do you think Buffalo's defense stacks up against that type of uh, quarterback? Well, Tua Tangovaloa really was overwhelmed. Uh, and then Jacoby Brissett uh, came in and had to play three and a half quarters because uh, the Bills uh, just, uh, totally annihilated uh, Tua and uh, knocked him out of the game with a rib injury. Very aggressive uh, game uh, on Sunday from defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. Um, but the Bills were really good on defense against the Steelers too. Uh, shut them out in the first half, uh, limited uh, Ben Roethlisberger to one touchdown, or I guess I should say limited uh, the Steelers' entire offense, including Najee Harris, uh, couldn't get going in his uh, NFL debut. Uh, just been dominant so far on offense uh, or excuse me on defense the bills have so um they've gotten maybe some shaky play in the secondary um if not for a drop in the end zone uh, their their top cornerback Tredavious White was just totally beaten by Devontae Parker on a, on a long pass play uh which is uncharacteristic uh, but teams have actually uh, the Steelers and and the Dolphins actually have not been a afraid to go after Tredavious White uh, through these first two games. Um, Levi Wallace, the cornerback on the other side, uh, has had some issues with penalties, uh, even though he did get an interception on Sunday against the Dolphins. Uh, but uh, the safeties, uh, Jordan Poyer and, uh, and Micah Hyde, uh, have been sensational so far, and so has the nickel cornerback, Taron Johnson. So I think that the, the Bills have been uh, versatile enough and the pass rush has been there, or at least it was on Sunday, uh, eight quarter, eight or nine, I'm not sure, quarterback hits and six sacks. Um, they, they, they were just getting after Miami. Now, I don't know if Washington's offensive line uh, allows uh, the, the, the Bills to, to be that blindly aggressive uh, as they were uh, down in Miami, but they can do it. And they are, uh, they're good. Uh, the Bills are good pretty much in every level uh, defensively. And um, that's, uh, I think, uh, Taylor Heineke is going to have his hands full. You mentioned it's, uh, Tredavious White, the teams have gone after him. Interesting, uh, the other day, this is, I guess, maybe during training camp, Terry McLaurin was asked, 
who he thinks are the top corners in the league. He named all three guys. One of them was uh, Tredavious White. He was asked today about, about that again, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but basically said he's pretty good at just staying stride for stride with the receivers and does a good job of undercutting routes, things like that. Um, so it's interesting that um, teams have not been shy at uh, going after him, but I mean, you know, uh, you, you know, it feels like we're, you know, whatever cornerbacks that they're limited by, hampered by the rules these guys aren't Deion sanders where you know or you're afraid to throw it their way so i guess it's i guess in my head when you hear top corner i still still feel like oh don't go that way but you know with the with the way the rules are just do what you got to do i guess on, on some level relatively speaking to uh <laughs> to uh to yeah, he's gonna options. see he's gonna see targets it's not like those days of uh namde asamoah when you'd see the stats about like for he'd go five or six straight games uh, with you know no more than two time two attempts in his direction or a Darrell Revis uh, type situation, I, those guys uh, those guys are so rare. Gotcha. Um, so obviously we're talking Washington. Obviously, but we're talking on a Tuesday. This game is not for a few more days. So to say, what's your feel for this game? Sometimes it can take a minute to get a feel for it. And you know, I've had a few extra days because Washington played Thursday, and you guys just had a game. But I guess. What's your feel, at least from the Buffalo end? You expect to see the team out there that looks like that team that was considered to be a, a title contender, or you know, did, you know, are you still have enough worries that uh, you know th- this? Even if Washington's got some, you know, questions on both sides of the ball, that uh, you know, this may not be Buffalo's. Uh, so we, we still might see the, the full throated version of them. Yeah, I think that depends on Josh Allen. I, I think the defense seems pretty settled and they are, you know, through two games have been fabulous. And uh, unless they are totally mystified by uh, whatever Ron Rivera wants to do uh, offensively, I think that the Bills defense can be counted on. Uh, it's uh, it's Josh Allen and whether or not he uh, he's able to settle down whether he's able to find that rhythm. I know I keep using that word over and over again, but uh, he's got weapons. If he can complete the passes to Stefan Diggs and obviously Emmanuel Sanders, he totally overthrew him on a wide open touchdown in week one and then did find him uh, connected with him for a touchdown uh, on Sunday. Uh, and that I think I'm sure it made Bill's fans breathe a sigh of relief, uh, but then subsequently had six straight possessions in which he looked uh, you know, he, he looked uh, scattered again. So yeah, Josh Allen needs to figure things out. Obviously the offense relies on him. They, they are not a run heavy team, even though they have, they did run the ball pretty well on Sunday, but you know, it's not like they can just turn and hand the ball off. If Josh Allen's having a, a rough day, uh, they, they really need him to, to get going uh, for uh, you know, if they want to re- make a run at the Super Bowl. Um. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see again. It's got a defense that hasn't quite found its its rhythm yet, and against a quarterback who hasn't either. So, interesting to see if, if that breaks. Last question is maybe the most important question. So, I, I plan to be up there this weekend. We had Jared Patterson today at the podium, and of course, Jared Patterson, huge star for the University of Buffalo. We asked all him all the important questions, including where is the place to go to get wings in buffalo i know this has got to be a ridiculously i am going to guess that he said elmo's he did is that, is i've that, seen is him correct? in elmo's elmo's is my i happen to live near the ub campus and uh that is a staple for the ub football team is elmo's which also happens to be my neighborhood bar so i've seen jared patterson in there a handful of times khalil Mack before him pretty much anybody 
that uh, that's played for UB uh, it goes there. So that was my guess. And he's not wrong. He is. It's not because it happens to be close to campus. Elmo's is one of those places that when people try it, they're like, why haven't I heard of this before? And uh, there's the, the tourist spot like Anchor Bar, uh, which was considers itself the originator of the wing, although that's in dispute. Um, but people like to go there because it's, uh, I guess, historical in some way. There's Duff's, which has kind of emerged as the, the go-to choice uh, for locals, but it's also a little too lazy of a pick. There are some other great places out there, and Elmo's uh, clearly is, is near the top, if not at the top. I mean, between Jared Patterson and you, I'm sold. Definitely going to have to hit up Elmo's uh, one way or the other before I get at a get at a dodge. Uh, Tim, definitely appreciate it at by Tim Graham. And of course, uh, I'll, I mentioned this in the intro, but, you know, people should go read your stuff. You have anything that they need to be looking at as they get ready for this week? No, no, Ben. Actually, I'm working on a couple of non-game related stories this week. Uh, one regarding the new Bills Stadium uh, project, uh, which is a big uh, hot topic around here, and then one that has has nothing to do with uh, football at all. So um, I think the next football story I write will be Sunday after the game. All right. Well, you did write after the Miami game in which you said something to the effect of that the uh, Buffalo players like uh, wiped their cleats off on Miami Dolphins' foreheads. So, uh, you know, <laughs> go, go – Go, go, go read that to see what happened there. Tim, I always appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Pleasure was all mine, Ben. All right. Many thanks to Tim Graham for his time. And, of course, many thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. Um, I plan on having another one up this week. And, again, you check me out over on The Athletic or at Ben Standing on Twitter. But that is it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.